Yeah, this sucker's recording. Um, oh man, I wanted to cue up a buzzer sound to this. Why? Uh, welcome to episode 15 of Consensus Unreality. Wrong. 16. <laughs> That's why I needed the buzzer. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, welcome to episode 16 of Consensus Unreality. We are here to talk about. Um, a serious subject. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck, I forgot my jokes from like an hour ago about how we're here to talk about the insurrection. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the I, I think I promised on Twitter that we'd have a Viking episode. So Yeah, there you go. This is the Viking episode uh, yeah. from a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. I got like a horn under my bed. Yeah. <laughs> calling all Vikings. Uh, in all seriousness, these people should be put in jail. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not the position of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Start, starting off heavy. Blazing guns. Um, so, yeah, I guess we've, we've been off for a few weeks. Yep. Um, uh, we, you know, celebrating holidays. Uh, yeah. Pretty bleak uh, holiday season this time. Yeah. Uh, kept it pretty low key. I had a great time watching, um, It's a Wonderful Life this year. Told everybody I know about it. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, I Super watched that bleak too. about do- how doing the right thing could ruin your life. <laughs> Except for like the, yeah. the, the, uh, the plot twist at the end where he's just like saved by miraculous, uh, saved by an angel. It's yeah. not really even a Christmas movie. I was, I mean like, it just like, I was, for, I've seen it maybe three times and every time I'm like. It's just not a Christmas movie until like the last five minutes. Yeah, it's great that the like the scene where the the stars are communicating because they're angels yeah. and they're like three yeah, guys yeah. from New York. Like, yeah, I love that. I gotta help this sucker. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great. It, yeah, it ages very well for some for some reason. Yeah, except like the really insane like child labor in the beginning where the boss like beats the shit out of that kid. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, he does beat the hell out of him. He's, <laughs> They've got an emotional oh, so connection, sorry. though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie, except for, you know. It's well, really anyway, weird. Yeah. That's a weird one. Um, yeah. But relevant with all, yeah, the angel shit and like the weird way of depicting them as like a like some kind of like nebula. Yeah. I've been like good, just going back and like trying to watch some of the the quote-unquote classic films that i've never seen like i watched casablanca for the first time recently oh yeah that's a good one yeah yeah i I was kind of i was kind of doing that i'm not watching movies right now or doing anything um so i kind of am not doing that (laughs) Did, did you rage um mask off in Times square for uh new year's no, I actually my New Year's was spent. My New Year's Eve was spent uh, laying on the bathroom floor, and I, I'm in the middle surrounded of, by books, studying for this episode. Yeah, no, I was uh, in the middle of a cluster headache cycle, and 
that's why maybe part of why you know full disclosure things have been a little quiet i can't yeah it's kind of like a full-time job dealing with that um for now yes but maybe we'll get through this podcast today let's let's (laughs) say um yeah that's a good one um we're today we are actually here to discuss um the serious mystery which is one of my favorites i kind of held off on getting this book for so long um and it's funny like i remember like in preparing for this episode i was getting flashbacks to writing these same notes like 10 years ago when i first like heard about this stuff um basically through cosmic trigger by robert anton wilson i think was the first time i was really exposed to the 23 serious connection mystery yeah Um, i i pulled out my copy of cosmic trigger for this um that's a, it. Really, is a great book and like incredibly sad. Yeah, um, incredibly sad. But um, yeah, I think I think it's a great um, account of that point in time, and it also yeah. kind of blends a lot of really interesting, uh, po- like nodal points of the whole cosmonaut. Um, uh, right. What am I thinking? Psychonaut, uh, the whole psychonaut. Stuff psychonaut, and, yeah, the, that whole milieu, as as, as it were, mm-hmm. um, and the and the cultural shifts going on in the yeah. 60s and so and I guess 70s. he he attributes the the twenty three thing to uh, to Burroughs, right? Like that's where he first latched onto it. That's where he first latched onto it, and I think we'll get there because um, in, in a roundabout way, dealing with Robert Temple's the serious mystery, uh-huh. um, it kind of ends up there and maybe we'll talk about a little bit more about the political madness that's going on in the patreon episode um i I think like you know we kind of exercise the luxury of not being like a reactionary political podcast or something (laughs) like i think we kind of deal more with things that are um you know, behind us, but still with us rather than things that just happened yesterday. Um, yeah, I think that's, and I think that's a good, I mean, which isn't to say we don't have opinions on, on, on what's happening, yeah. both in like the, the microcosmic paranormal community and the, <laughs> yeah, the we'll get there too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I do, I do think it's yeah. useful to, uh, kind of step back and, and not jump into that ultra reactionary, like take machine. Totally. Um, well, yeah, it ages really poorly, and then like you have that, like that's you know, yeah, you have that like haunting you, um, <laughs> yeah. unless you take down the episode. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so maybe we should should we start? But like, should we get into the the serious stuff? What is serious? It's a star, right? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, like I mentioned before, uh, the first time I was exposed to the serious mystery was in Robert Anton Wilson's cosmic trigger, which is a great book. Um, talking about his own personal strange experiences, his relationship to Timothy Leary, um, and just a a bunch of different, uh, strangeness mixed with philosophy and theory. Um, but he mentions the serious mystery, which is a book by Robert Temple, who Mm -hmm. Robert KG Temple, I should say, because if you YouTube Robert Temple, <laughs> right. you'll find some guy who like, killed his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I watched. You sent me that lecture, which because I haven't read the the serious mystery. I've just seen it as like a reference in many books and like know of its influence. But yeah, yeah, seems to have greatly influenced um, Graham Hancock. Um, right. 
and 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 it's i think it's one of the more pure theories of this i'm not gonna it's i don't want to say ancient aliens thing because then it's like oh it's like calling somebody an anti-vaxxer or something you know <laughs> right ancient aliens yeah. is a terrible connotation sort of but yeah it's it's i mean i guess that's in there right but he i mean at least in the lecture which is recent i think he was saying he was like not really he wasn't like a ufo guy he was just like yeah he doesn't he's yeah. he, it's it it's pretty much from an academic perspective. I mean, of course, he got scrutinized by the academic community because you can't really go off right. the grid within that yeah. field. Um, you know, I, I kind of get the sense, obviously, that you kind of have to stay uh, in your little box there. Right. They have the, they'll hit you with the rulers or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, he and he's i guess he references that book which is a book that i got recently uh the pale fox by griol and dieterlin yeah yeah so yeah that's that, incredible and then, then like looking through that yeah yeah i mean that guy's amazing um i guess we'll talk about him in a second i think yeah. the um so the the basic concept that temple is laying out in this rather detailed book um it's pretty dense and if you get the edition i have here which was re-released with a whole section, second section. Um, mm. I forget the year on that, but it, it's a, the original publication was made in like '76. Yeah. Um, he's basically going through a discovery and then how he built up research on the Dogon tribe of Mali in West Africa, um, and how this tribe um, kind of unexplained in how they can they preserved a tradition from pre-dynastic egypt of like this extraordinary astronomical knowledge of the star sirius and um the binary star that um rotates around sirius um and then a a third star comes into play too um right yeah and that's that was something that i found interesting like the kind of because that's still contested kind of isn't it that there is a third star yeah, I was reading about it earlier, and I think a study in like 1995 um, concluded that there is a third star, which is a red or a brown dwarf. I'm going to get into all right. that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the mystery was first brought to um, Temple's attention by Arthur M. Young, of Philadelphia, mm. who was interestingly the inventor of the Bell helicopter. Um, huh. And he he shared with um, Robert Temple this book, which was called African Worlds, which was an anthropology book um, containing chapters about different African tribes. Um, the chapter about the Dogon tribe was by two fellows named Marcel Griol and Germain. Well, actually, not two fellows, right? Germain. I, I think uh, Dieterlin was a woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a woman, actually. I don't know yeah. why I wrote two fellows here. Ex- <laughs> it sounds good to say two fellows. Yeah, that's probably uh, why. A fellow and a gentlewoman. Yeah, fellow and a gentlewoman. Um, yeah, yeah. She it actually was definitely a woman um, who was his student who went with him. Yeah. Um, and these two anthropologists worked closely with the Dogon tribe uh, throughout the 1930s. Um, the Dogon are of Mali, which is not too far of a distance from Egypt. Well, far, but mm. if you look at a map. I mean, it's there's there's a reasonable lineage that could be made historically. 
um, f- right. from the pre-dynastic era of Egypt. Um, this fellow, Marcel Griol, gained such confidence by the Dogon um, and was initiated by the high priests into their mysteries um, that his funeral was held in Mali and 250,000 Dogon by foot traveled to attend and pay their respects at his funeral. That's yeah. kind of an amazing fact to start with um, because this is sort of where all this information snowballs from is this one anthropologist and his student who went with him. Um, right, because they were kind of ins- insular. I mean, I mean, and up until then, right? Yeah, I think... Well, there's only a short mention um, in the African worlds about the cosmology and astronomical knowledge of the Dogon, but there's some interesting stuff in there about this second star rotating around Sirius, um, which shouldn't have been known to exist at that point by the Dogon, and it's held in their tradition for hundreds of years to, to have known that it existed. Um, but, and that there's there's life on it too, right? Or th- around it, right? Yeah, that's an interesting concept that um, we'll get into. In yeah, a I mean, I guess that's yeah, that's where ancient aliens comes into it. Otherwise, it would just be like an interesting, like anthropological thing. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah right. If it ended there, it would be still like a a mystery, you know? Right. Um, yeah, they they like revere. I mean, Sirius is like their sort of sent it's like the center of the mythology and skeptics claim that Grial imported this information to them um mm. but i think it's kind of like skepticism like leading questions i don't know like, i mean like, there, yeah. when we get into it like there's so many detailed drawings that are so accurate to the right astronomical information you would need to know about this star system that it's like yeah. The skepticism is almost so cynical sometimes, you know. Um, it, yeah, it is. It's it's almost like a an inverse of like the usual claim that. Um, well, I guess maybe it's not even. It's like a, it's from a different angle that like uh, people who are thought of as primitive or whatever don't have like uh, intelligence or like like they couldn't do things. Right. But it's coming. It's coming from like the skeptical scientific end as opposed to like the uh, aliens built it. Aliens nah, built the pyramids. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I, I just think that's an amazing point, though, that there were t- 250,000 Dogon traveled by foot to attend this funeral. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Like, when have you ever heard of anybody having that many people attend their funeral? Were, that, were there that many people at, like, JFK's funeral? I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. What about <laughs> Elvis? Did Elvis have a funeral? <laughs> yeah, maybe Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, so there's there's kind of good faith in that aspect, um, or at least leads you to believe that. Um, so this this tribe, the Dogon, um, whose main livelihood, I suppose, was harvesting onions. Yeah. Um, they had no known um, advanced technology or anything like that, or at least the telescopes that you would require. Right, right. To, I think they had, like, some, some metalworking and, like, woodworking stuff, but they were, like, living in pretty, like, at least technologically primitive, apparently spiritually, like, extremely advanced. But, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and we'll, we'll get into how that might be... Uh, I'm really selling the we'll get into later part here. Right, but, yeah. It's like, it's I mean, podcast just, voice. Yeah, there's so much. Um, <laughs> You're right, yeah. 
I mean, there's just, there's so much in there. There's so much to get to. Like, I really want to sell the fact of how amazing this story is and, and strange. Mm. And I mean, um, a lot of the ancient alien stuff, it's, it's kind of like, oh, we don't want to do our due diligence to really investigate these things. So we'll just prescribe it to the, the simplest um, denomination or whatever. Yeah. But I think in the, in this story, um, there is like a wealth of information there, um, and it was investigated, you know, anthropologically, mm-hmm. and it's it's super interesting. And I mean, there's there's something to it. Yeah. So, so Sirius is the brightest star in the night sky. Um, it was revered by the Egyptians because the heliacal rise of Sirius signaled the flooding of the Nile. Mm. Which would signal obviously fertility, crops. Um, right. Is that that's the dog days, right? Dog days of summer. The dog yeah. star because it's in the um, what? Canis can, major. Canis yeah. major. Yeah. Canis major and yeah, it's and it's yeah the brightest the brightest star, which I guess lends you know some common sense reason for its importance for so many people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, you could definitely relegate why so many ancient societies revered this star because i mean i think even the polynesians used sirius to navigate Mm -hmm. and they were known to be like some of the greatest naval navigators um but uh yeah so sirius is sirius a is 3.5 the mass 3.5 times the mass of our sun ten thousand brighter ten thousand times brighter than the mass of our sun um so it's impossible to see that it's a binary star system with the naked eye. Right. Um, it was only discovered, the binary star series B was only discovered to exist in the Western world by Friedrich Bessel in 1844 by observing gravitational patterns in the position of series A. Mm-hmm. So the tradition of the Dogon having knowledge of this binary star system goes back hundreds of years you would presume hundreds of years before that. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like central to their, their religious practice, right? Yep. The Dogon called the series B, um, the digitaria or the postar, which was named after a small grain. Mm. It was called the egg or the seed of the world. It was known to be the source of life on earth. Mm-hmm. Now, what's really interesting I mean, the whole, what you want to make of that, I mean, that's still kind of mythology. You know, it's it's still right. insane that they knew about, that this star even existed. Uh-huh. When you get into the panspermia or, or extraterrestrial stuff that sits yeah. at this, the, you know, the source of life on Earth right there. But what they said about Sirius B was that it was made of a matter heavier than on Earth. And it mm. was regarded as the smallest and heaviest of stars. Now, this is crazy because Sirius B is what's known as a white dwarf. And um, a white dwarf is made of a matter that is non-existent on Earth called super-dense matter. And it is believed oh. to be the final evolutionary stage of a star whose mass is not high enough to become a neutron star. But mm-hmm. So a matchbox full of this super-dense matter would weigh 2.5 tons. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of stuff is, yeah, that mind boggling kind of like, 
science facts type stuff where you're just like, well, I, I have no concept of what that could mean. I, yeah, I mean, crazy. like, even like the the Carl Sagan angle, angle of like a white right, dwarf right. and that stuff is absolutely incredible. I mean, I've always just been interested in like watching those yeah. television programs and stuff. It's, it's insane and incredible. But like, then there's the whole mystery of this tribe, like having this in, embedded in their mythology. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really something else. The details um, are, are so uncanny, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I think I, I had first heard of the whole Dogon thing, you know, kind of a weird roundabout way. Well, maybe not. It's through my other uh, interest, which is poetry. There's this poet, uh, Nathaniel Mackey, who he's pretty much for most of his career been writing like two uh, serial poems. So just like writing like entries into these two different epics. Um, and his books will be like uh, combinations of both of these. Um, and they're both about like the Dogon mythology. I mean, and also things like jazz and like other things in like the black American experience, but they're all like, one is called Mew uh, or Moo, you know, M-U. And the other is called uh, Songs of the Amdubalu or something. I mean, I don't have it pulled up right now, but um, they're both these really incredible long poems where, yeah, just like like Dogon mythology will sort of meld with like American, uh, you know, because he's an, Amer an American guy, so obviously. Um, they're not like pure retellings of the Dogon myths, but yeah, it's just, uh, I think for for writers and poetry, people of course like mythology is always like uh this super rich source and it's yeah but that's how i first sort of found out about it and then um yeah i mean i've been interested in this this dogon stuff too I, obviously you're saying like uh you read the you read uh what was it the serious mystery and then or yeah for, you, yeah from yeah i read the serious mystery and then i've kind of just been all over the place just searching right. for information i mean because the Dogon stuff, I think, you know, it's it's mentioned in it's the Temple book. It's the main subject, obviously, but then right. it's mentioned in Cosmic Trigger, and then it sort of gets run away with in the whole ancient alien stuff, where it's just like one becomes another yeah. touchstone, where some guy with tall hair is on History Channel, just <laughs> <laughs> talking. Yeah, about. right. It's kind of. I feel like it's mentioned in the same breath as like the Nazca lines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which are also incredibly fascinating but mm -hmm. this is this is i feel like this is much more well documented um and there's still people like carrying this tradition like alive today yeah it's it's a true historical mystery um and they i mean if you if you look at this book and we'll post some of these pictures um the drawings that are done by the high priests of the dogon yeah like they describe the orbit of Sirius B around Sirius to an almost exact accuracy. Right. Yeah. And as we yeah. mentioned before, they also um they claim that there was a third star that was yeah. um that was also orbiting Sirius A. And Do they also say there's a fourth star? Is that something too? Where there's like it has a retrograde orbit? I saw I mean, I think that was mentioned briefly in the uh, serious mysteries revisited lecture by Temple, but I'm not sure. I don't think it was like a. It might have been like a sort of divergent thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, 
But oddly enough, like in 1995, um, astrophysicists concluded that there was a third star, as we mentioned before. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's amazing. Um, and yeah. it's, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I wish there were other accounts, and I wonder if there are any other investigations that go as deep as Temple did. I think that, I mean, I know that there are other books with Sirius in the title, and I can't imagine. Oh, Sirius is everything. A, yeah. I mean, like, right. Sirius is, it's just, it's everywhere in New Age stuff and yeah. in, in the old occult mystery traditions as well. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's apparently revered by the Masons and obviously mm -hmm. it had such a strong importance to the Egyptians. So I don't doubt it because a lot of that stuff gets carried over. Right. For like from Egypt. Yeah. And even, um, you know, Kenneth Grant writes a lot about Crowley's Crowley. relationship to Sirius. Um, the, hidden, the hidden sun, right? Is that yeah. kind of like the hidden, the sun behind the sun. Yeah. And that, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that stuff gets insane because then if you start reading about it, there's, um, astrophysicists who theorize that our sun is in an orbit around Sirius. Right. I guess... And this isn't because, like I mean, loony. It's pretty close, right? It's the, it's the closest... Yeah. I think it's the closest star to us. I'm not going to back that up. Right. I mean, you know, we're... It might be... It's at least one of them. I think it's like 8 point something light years, right? 8.5 light years away. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that stuff isn't like outrageous or Looney Tunes claims. Like, that's actually right. out there that... Um, you know, people are theorizing that we could be in this long orbit around Sirius itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that kind of, even if, even though it's like sort of an established thing being, I mean, like a, a real scientific hypothesis, it kind of brings to mind immediately like planet X type stuff for like every once in a while, this other thing comes around. And like, that's when like all these like, uh, either catastrophes or like contact yeah. happens and that's how it enters. I feel like that's how at least like subconsciously it enters into like the that kind of like catastrophist like Velikovsky territory which I mean which I'm also not saying is wrong I, but I feel like there's some crossover there where Planet X basically starts with like Zechariah Sitchin stuff yeah 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 I mean I'm pretty sure he coined maybe he didn't coin it but I mean he has a book uh, Nibiru Planet Maybe Nibiru. Maybe he gets into that later. I mean, or that's definitely part of his thing. I don't know about the type. No, it's called the twelfth planet. I think. I think he calls it Nibiru, though, right? Right, he does, and and that's obviously like taken on a life of its own after his death. This, this to me, the the serious mystery, and you know when we start to talk about the Philip K. Dick Robert Anton Wilson connection. Mm. And um, even like the John uh, John Lilly stuff, yeah. um, it doesn't have that like destructive apocalyptic vibe. Instead, yeah, it starts to get at that. There's some there's some connection to Sirius. There's like a, a, a spiritual a, connection. Yeah, or, or or some cosmic connection that you know. Yeah, we can't really like place scientifically, so we just you know. Uh, right attach it more to metaphysical or magical thinking or whatever, but it, yeah. like it, almost like an information highway that gets opened up. And this is in the Dogon mythology as well, because mm. on the uh, Bato day is when they believe that Sirius B 
was projecting its ray to Earth, and this is their celebration. And um, the heliacal rise of Sirius was also the beginning of the Egyptian and the Dogon New Year. And interestingly enough, I was watching um, just like a straight-up astronomy sort of lecture about um, Egyptian astronomy. And, um, you know, they had pretty advanced knowledge of, um, of astronomy, even for what, like, the academic field will give them credit for. Yeah. Which is, you know, saying a lot because they would probably shoot down Robert Temple's book. But um, their models of every star was based on Sirius. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. This book, I mean, yeah, if you you can find a copy, I think everyone should get a copy of The Pale Fox by Griol and Dieterlin because it's, I think it has probably the most, um, like reproductions of the sand art of the Dogon people. It's they're like, incredible. The drawings are yeah. incredible. They're, they're almost they're like beautiful. sigils in like the Western magic tradition, although I, I assume they have different intention, but yeah. like the way they look. Mm-hmm. The image of um, Sirius and its heliacal rise in the Dogon sand drawing is, is, is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're really cool. Um, I wonder yeah, I wonder what like is there like a like an apprenticeship sort of situation like like who makes the drawings or is there like a tradition for that? Do you know about that at all? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think it was yeah. like the priesthood who was doing these drawings for yeah. Griol. Oh, that's yeah, cuz <clears throat> I I mean, as with all anthropology, I guess a lot of it is like people kind of desperately trying to explain stuff that seems very obvious to them to people who don't get it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, got, I mean, that's why we have so much of these, like, yeah, these beautiful pieces, yeah. And I, and there's drawings that the Dogon have um, depicting Jupiter and its four moons, which mm. they should not have known. Um, yeah. Saturn with its rings. I mean, these things are, this is amazing. It's, it's so interesting, and it, it, it does, like... It makes you like, and it's not because they. The only reason they couldn't have known it is because, like, the the technology. Like, they must have figured out another way of knowing it, which I guess the like is a spiritual explanation or yeah. like some sort of contact explanation. Um, yeah. Just like they physically didn't have the equipment. Right, right. There's yeah, contact. I I, th- I mean, there's sort of the the information highway, spiritual connection. I you know I yeah. I really like that, especially. You know, when you think about Philip K. Dick's experiences, um, where he was yeah. blasted with this beam, which is not unlike what the Dogon are describing, and he right. was experiencing like uh, what is it called, xenoglossy, where he right. would know all these languages that he hadn't previously known, and and uh, yeah. just like was blasted with this this information overload of of things that were. Previously unknown to him. I mean, this is rec- reckless speculation, obviously, but that's what we're right. here for. Right, but I mean, the, the Valus thing is like, kind of like many people's favorite like example of like modern mystical like initiation. And I think that's, I mean, for good reason, because it's like so, I mean, anyone who's like gotten a copy of like the Exegesis book, mm-hmm. which is it's the massive sort of 
and it's like maybe like a tenth of the whole thing. Like he was like like in this like up until then had been like a really good pulp sci-fi writer, and like now he's like in this. Although I think there's some like maybe retro causal stuff because like there's all that stuff about like things that he had written like in his earlier books, like having like weird echoes in his life after the the Valus stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's obviously like him and Wilson, I guess, are sort of the most like in the light of serious people we have, maybe. Yeah, Wilson's connections. I mean. It almost gets into that idea that Jung had of like active imagining where you almost mm. feel like it's possible that Robert Anton Wilson was conjuring this stuff but it then there's also the the cosmic coincidence center of right. uh, John Lilly, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> coincidences are like this watermark of of like the cosmic magic happening. And like there's these these entities or beings that sort of like are once you notice the coincidences and sort of like get on their trail, they'll sort of ramp up the mm-hmm. their influence over your life. Right. To like I guess to very various results. I guess some people go crazy. And I think that that ties into so much of what's like really popular right now in, in paranormal stuff is this sort of like synchromistic questing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Synchromysticism, for sure. And I mean, it's interesting, too, how many people um, that we revere as these historical intellectuals had claimed to have been in um, contact with some sort of uh, non-human, let's say, intelligence, right? right? Like, even, like, Buckminster Fuller totally. claimed that he was contacted by, let's say, ultra-terrestrials or something. And you wonder, like, how much it's, like, a... Because, I mean, I have... Like, I, I'm not, like, a fucking, like, Buckminster Fuller, but I've felt, like, the presence of this, like, sort of stream that you get into where it's just, like... Right. You're, you're in it, and it's, like, unstoppable until it stops, and then you're out of it. Uh, especially, like, related to, like, the production of my art or whatever. It's... Um, the flow state. Yeah, and... And I think, I think that's probably the same thing, although to varying degrees of, like, intensity or... You know, yeah, and wasn't was it Frick and Watson who di- who discovered the double helix? Crick. Crick. Yeah. I would. I wish it was Frick. <laughs> Frick. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's Crick and Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Similar kind of story there. Right. Just like, like a illumination kind of or something. Right. Like, even if it's just for a second, I guess that's all over art and science. It's just like. It's almost more common than than not. Right, right. Um, 
and and Rob talking about Robert Anton Wilson's um, stuff, he he was introduced to what we mentioned before, the Twenty Three Enigma through mm. William S. Burroughs, which is basically um, a collision of coincidences at the number twenty three. Um, yeah. You know, we could. I'm not going to run through the instances that he gives of like the pilot and the 23 right. and all that stuff, but it's pretty much all on cosmic trigger. Right. I mean, and that's yeah. accessible for sure. But, um, his, his own experiences sort of began with experimenting with, um, peyote and, um, you know, he start he starts to notice his own, coincidences occurring with 23 around the date of July 23rd, which is incidentally right in that pocket of when the Nile would have been flooding. Right. <laughs> uh, heli- heli- what is it? Heli- helical? Helical rise. I mean, right. He gets yeah. a message projected into his head, which is, he, and he jots it down and it just says uh, like research serious or find out more about serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he just goes on this tangent of, of, of this wormhole and he, and he, he becomes obsessed with, um, not obsessed where he's, he begins to actively imagine or I don't think he would call it that. Um, but it, it's sort of like a prescribed manifestation. I think he would call it like entering different reality tunnels, obviously, but he starts, right, yeah. you know, doing devotional things to Nuit, the Egyptian sky goddess who's re- related to Sirius. Um, and apparently Uri Geller um, claimed to have received communications from Sirius. Oh, man. We have to do a whole episode on him sometime. He is yeah. really rich with weird, weird shit. Um, oh, of course. The message he wrote down was Sirius is very important. Which just got projected into his head, and he and he went down this wormhole of just researching yeah. it, and then a week later he sees in like the New York Times or something. There's a review of Robert Temple's book, The Serious mm-hmm. Mystery. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's just this amazing like stream of connections going on there, and one like one hilarious thing um, that I sent Ben earlier is uh. The Alan Parsons Project has a song called Sirius. And on the cover of this record is the classic Egyptian Eye of Horus. Now, this song was used during the Chicago Bulls' sixth championship run. And who played on that team was the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. What number did Michael Jordan wear on his jersey? 23. Damn, it's just yeah, like the, that is this is like <laughs> odd stream of coincidences there. Yeah, that's nuts. If you look My into, God. I mean, if you just look up twenty three mystery, you'll start to see yeah. stuff. Um, Something else about Sirius is um, this. I don't. It's not much, but there's that book um, by Olaf Stapledon who is like one of the like great early sci-fi writers, and he has a book sort of within this Sirius stuff, just called Sirius, um, and he. He's another person that's sort of like, uh, he, he might deserve an episode sometime. He had a really interesting life. Um, but yeah, Sirius by Stapledon is sort of just, a lot of this is just kind of like adding spokes to the wheel of the Sirius yeah. thing. And it's it's so funny too. Like I was, you know, I wanted to find out more about this date, July 23rd, because 
you see different things about when the heliacal rise would have been exactly in Egypt mm-hmm. at that time and and in Mali. But um, just, you know, randomly, like, showing who's conscious of this stuff. On In 2015, on July 23rd, NASA announced um, the discovery of Kepler-452b, which is what they call Earth 2.0. Right. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> this is Earth's cousin yeah. who's potentially habitable. So yeah. there's this huge thing. And, and they don't choose these dates at random, you know? Like, right. They don't name their projects and their... Um, yeah, yeah. You don't, they don't name that stuff at random, you know? Right. Yeah, that's nuts. I think, <laughs> and that's like, right, you're getting right into like uh, Leo, I guess then, right? So that's like... Um, when the Sphinx would have... Um, it's a very active, like, uh, visible kind of thing, right? The Leo. Is it? I don't uh, think it is Leo, though. I think that's... Uh, is it? Well cancer still it's the yeah. end of cancer yeah when does leo start i think it starts on the 20 20th or 21st of july we have to cut this out of them wrong it doesn't bear no 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 you're right you're right you're right you're right you're right actually i think you're right yeah it's um i always get my astrology yeah yeah it's like right at the beginning of uh of leo right after cancer um yeah, of course, in, in tantric yoga, the male sex cycle is said to be 23 days. Um, well, there's a male sex cycle? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Why would I say that? <laughs> uh, I, like, I, I really love this idea of the interstellar ESP system, though. And and I think we want to definitely do... Um, you know, a bash of an episode on, on John Lilly's stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I think yeah. that really does start to get into his, his work and his theorizing. Yeah. All the, for people not familiar, he's like the, the guy who kind of pioneered dolphin work. He was like a neuroscientist and psychologist and he invented the flotation. Well, he didn't, yeah. I guess he repurposed it for, right. for he, what it's the, known to be used for today sensory deprivation stuff yeah you get pretty i mean as with leary who was full-blown like cia with lily you get dangerously into the territory of like uh like mk ultra type shit um well they yeah there's interesting yeah i've just started to really dig in on reading that stuff and preparing for the future um programming and metaprogramming and the human biocomputer that shit came out in like the early 60s right yeah so uh, yeah there was just and he and he talks about like the funding and stuff and yeah how he couldn't even really talk about his experiences at first because he was afraid of funding getting cut and it did anyway (laughs) but then they they used all that stuff you know within mk ultra and and stuff and if you like if you've seen altered states like that's pretty much a direct Mm -hmm. like basically there's a movie about john lilly yeah except with like a horror aspect added to it right right um i guess we should definitely talk a bit about the uh the nomo right the and what's the god is it ama yeah ama yeah yeah that's like sort of their creator god yeah the nomos nomos is the plural i don't know nomo the plural i don't know yeah um but they're these like these beings that I guess sort of live in the Sirius system, right? Mm-hmm. They're said they, to have came and brought like the knowledge um, 
the knowledge of civilization and stuff. And it, right. like, apparently, um, Sirius is supposed to be connected to th- uh, Thoth as well, right? Hermes Trismegistus, uh-huh. um, which is the same sort of concept of bringing down this knowledge of civ- and the right. civilization and language and stuff. Um, but anyway, I think what's really interesting is the Nomo. Um, were said to have had tails and were portrayed as such in Dogon art. Were they kind of fish-like? Is that right? Yeah, they were. They, they, they couldn't walk. Apparently, they had to use these chairs to move around. But um, they, they, they didn't. They were like had mermaid tails and stuff. Yeah. Um, but this, what's wild here again is this connection that happens where the fish god is this mythological apex point which comes from babylonian sumerian and right. then or sumerian babylonian and then assyrian um is that, uh, oanes or oans that's like the, the the one of the either sumerian or babylonian it's just like this fish god being i think um well i can always use the internet to make sure yeah um, my notes are everywhere. That's Mesopotamian. Mesopotamian. Um, Oans. O a n n e s. It's like the, the sort of fish, fish god. Yeah. Which I'm is. I'm try and find the. Um, I, I mean, it's not Babylonian. always intuitive for the for I guess like Western history to have like, but it seems like in a lot of the world there is this like fish god archetype i guess right yeah well the the god dagon is mm-hmm. um like the main yeah. god of the philistines and that's where the hat which the pope wears is derived from the fish <laughs> right. head and then is that like lovecraft repurposed that right into i'm not sure i haven't i haven't yeah. actually done too much lovecraft myself well you're gonna want to get into lovecraft yeah <laughs> you had really good politics yeah i heard it <laughs> But I mean, this is another one of those crazy things where this this fish god has this lineage, this clear lineage from these civilizations who who all had a relationship, you know. Right. And yeah. it still has a lineage today because they're wearing it at the Vatican. Every time the Pope puts on his hat, <laughs> I forget what it's called, but is that a, mi- a mitre? Mitre. No, no mitre. that is that is correct. Yeah, I think mitre. That's and then. Mitre is the corporation. Never mind. We'll get into. We'll never get into that. That show. That that, uh, that past episode. It is called something like that, though. Mitre. Uh, yeah. But. Like I that, think that might be what, really close. That might be what cardinals wear. It's M I T R E. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same thing that the Pope wears. Yeah. Because a lot of that ritual stuff has very specific language that I am unfamiliar with. Um. But. Something I found really weird about uh, in this Robert Temple lecture was that he was like being like harassed by like intelligence agencies. Do you I know. That? Yeah, that part is really like, interesting. Which is so weird because like I mean, and that happens all the time in ufology, of course, and a lot of them are from intelligence agencies, like these people. But like he, he's really doing like uh, just like kind of fringy anthropological work. It's not like mm-hmm. so far out there that it's like a danger to like any kind of CIA agenda or whatever. So it's that whole part of it 
which is again this lecture he gave pretty recently um yeah he doesn't even he doesn't really speculate i mean he no, just he's kind just of like, like presents the research and right. the whole second part of the book really goes into this um this fish god mythology oh awesome is that like the part that was recently added or is that yeah from the original yeah that's the part that was recently added and and i th- that's that that um it just has this strange relationship like the domo of the dogon being this fallen angel legend um but the, it has this fish symbolism which mm. then wait is the domo different than the nomo or is it, is it i think domo was one of the nomos who was sort of like the lucifer character oh, like a lucifer type, yeah. yeah um but then this get you know this has also a relationship to the anunnaki story sounds kind of familiar block that out yeah (laughs) no i'm just kidding that's also well who knows what kind of credence that actually has but um i mean there's a legitimate history here for the depiction of the fish god with Mm. um the the dogon from of the philistines and then down to Baal of the babylonians is he a fish guy too yeah, I mean, these excavations from the um, ruins of Neve show mm-hmm. him depicted with a fish, like, as a head, and it goes oh, down yeah, his back. yeah, yeah, and That's then, crazy, that's true. And then in Hellenistic times, all these gods start to get portrayed with a serpent or fishtail, like Serapis. Mm-hmm. Serapis is kind of an evolution of Osiris, I mean, or if you want to get into the whole Christ-Roman... Trojan horse mythos. Serapis yeah. was the first go at Christ. Some say. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole. That, that's yeah. a whole another fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, uh, and yeah, I guess there, I mean, of course, there's fish symbolism all over early Christianity too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. And then, of course, you have the Jesus fish and the, right. Which is like, I guess, yeah. If you think about, yeah, it's Jesus, some sort of nomo. Yeah. So if we were visited <laughs> or or contacted, let's say, yeah. by some ultra intelligence, uh, its lineage and mythology is still here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like a bumper sticker now, I guess, but that's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. Another thing that I found maybe just like interesting was that there's like the there's a the the Dogon have like a circumcision practice uh, that obviously is like pretty common in America, but has not historically been all that common except in like Christian and Jewish places. Mm. Um, but they had it like it's sort of like a in, in reverence for the 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 circular orbit of Sirius B, like the, the process of of the knife going around is like yes. Yeah which is just like so fascinating, especially like when these things develop independently. Right. Right. Yeah. I I mean this, this like intimate relationship between um, our star system and the star system of Sirius is, is so interesting to me. Temple gets into the idea of like this long range order um, where he's talking about, are we part of some sort of cosmic cell because inside of a cell, um, I guess that particles are enabled with faster than light contact. Right. So if we are in some sort of cosmic <laughs> cell, 
does that yeah. enable some transference of information and it, like that's the the lily back to the lily idea of like a cosmic right. contact you know a lot of this uh that i've been looking into with like the habitability of like like is there a planet orbiting like sirius b i guess it would be and it's there's this writer george lobuono who maybe i'd like to we should get on a show sometime but he's always uh he's a book called alien mind and a lot of it is about like the particular kinds of alien beings that can live on certain types of or around certain types of stars and like what would develop and i mean i imagine he's read a lot about this like sort of dogon mythology but yeah it, it reminds me of that a lot um I guess I don't have anything else to say about that. But that's a recommendation, Alien Mind by George Lobuono. And the, the Dogon art is is just incredible too. Like there's this one um, picture of a a metal statue actually, and yeah. um, if you didn't know better, you would think it was like a Giacometti. It's just right. so beautiful and elegant. Yeah. Of this like winged god, because they had um, there was the fish gods, but then there were also like winged god who. They talked about being from a different um, star system or star. I forget about that oh. part. But and then there's the whole. They have, they also have drawings of like the the mothership with like this circle with whirling yeah. dust around it, which is classic like UFO right. imagery. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, and not. I mean, a lot of cultures have these kinds of like, what today seem like alien visitation. Like, I mean, that's the whole the whole like point of ancient aliens stuff uh, aside from like, like whitewashing, but um, you wonder if there's like something like, why does, why is there such a rich like relationship between this one culture and like their, their gods? It's like, it's really interesting. Like the, I guess what I mean is like the, the, the level of like information exchange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 certainly a mystery, um, and I I do definitely recommend this one to everyone. This is certainly one of my favorites. I think, like we mentioned before, a lot of the ancient alien stuff kind of just dismisses how much the ancient cultures actually were capable of and how much knowledge they had. Right. And I think this kind of gives them the credit of having that knowledge. Um, to what extraordinary circumstances this knowledge was imparted or this lineage was held um, through the dynastic, pre-dynastic era of Egypt to the mm. Dogon. I mean, that's the mystery, you know? And yeah. how did this knowledge get attained in the first place if it did originate in Egypt? Um, you know, I mean, this whole topic, I think uh, conventional intellectuals will say it's like the consciousness of abstracting or epiphania or something just making connections where they're not i see there through mythology right but there's yeah there's so there, yeah i don't care about that um, right yeah <laughs> i don't give a shit i mean i'm only halfway through my life so <laughs> yeah i mean there's i mean all of these intellectual tools are useful up until they start to like disallow any wonder in your life or like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think. What, um, 23 in the I Ching is, um, yeah. 23 hex in the I Ching is breaking apart. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And I guess... Oh, there's also the 23andMe thing. 23 gene chromosomes are... 23 right. chromosomes from a man and a woman go into every child. So the 46 chromosomes of, of a person, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> there's that horrible movie with Jim Carrey, which I think is probably most people's like touch point for like the 23 thing. I didn't see and, it, but that's like draws influence from this whole thing. Oh, yeah. It's like pretty much just like some writers like like stole shit from wilson and made a really bad movie about it and then jim carrey signed on and it became like a failed blockbuster you know yeah i th- i also thought it was interesting like with the the whole nomo thing and the myth in the mythology that they would come onto land and teach the dogon or teach what the ancient ones and then they would right. return to the sea. It kind of just reminded me of the USO stuff and how yeah. um, there's so much talk of, of uh, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena coming from right. the ocean Ugh. and entering yeah, the UAP. ocean. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I guess UAP. maybe we should uh, mention that that looks like two of the stars Academy is kind of imploding. So that's some nice. Are they, I don't even really been keeping up with that. That dude stuff. that like all, like a lot of the ex, ex, uh, military intelligence people are <laughs> leaving. Oh, Louise, uh, Elizondo. He's leaving. Elizondo. Yeah. And like, Oh shit. People are trying to take their money back out of it again. <laughs> like it's kind of <laughs> just like, I mean, maybe it'll save itself and still be like a cringy aspect of this whole thing. But, I, yeah, that was a nice surprise to wake up to one day. <laughs> um, I think it's funny how um, Arthur C. Clarke, like, kind of helped along the original serious mystery, too. He's always got his hands in this stuff. I feel like yeah. we could mention him in half of the episodes that we do. And if you believe uh, our last guest's writings about Arthur C. Clarke, he was not such a good dude. So his presence might be, uh, you know not so much a like mark of authenticity as like maybe a what's going on here kind of moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess there's, there's some murky, I can't remember all of it because it's been a while since I read prisoner of infinity, but there's a good chunk in there about, about Clark and his nefarious connections. Um, I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to well, say? I've got all this, these ramblings about, uh, Egyptian astronomy <laughs> just scribbled in here. It's like, what what kind of use would this make? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, the serious thing is, it's just one of those like rabbit uh, holes you can go into that it'll last a long time because it's, it's so integral to so many ancient mythologies and cultures that, I mean, yeah, we couldn't cover nearly any of it. Like we can only give a brief dive in like one episode pretty much but it's a tricky one to go looking for too because there's the information is is blurry surrounding the actual significance of Sirius but there obviously is I mean the consensus is that um you know the calendars began on the heliacal rise of Sirius and obviously the flooding of the Nile this would represent you know the fertility goddess I think in Egyptian mythology the Nile was flooded by the tears of Isis. So, mm. um, yeah, there's whole stuff with that. Um, 
So it kind of yeah. has this relationship to um, to suffering, but also overcoming. Um, this is sort of getting into the more yeah. new agey stuff now. Right. But. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's like a that's a whole thing. I mean, uh, like any other really rich symbolic thing. Um, you know, second half of the 20th century new age cultures kind of ran away with it. Yeah. <laughs> the whole serious thing. But I mean, even some of that's still fascinating. It w- I would be interested to read more, especially in those Kenneth Grant books about, um, Crowley's yeah, I... relationship to, uh, serious. I mean, cause right. Yeah. Whatever you make of Crowley, um, his importance to the occult field is, is yeah, just, I mean, he's pretty much the one you can't avoid like, it. I mean, I can't think of anyone else more important except like maybe young in a roundabout way. But mm-hmm. I mean, and I've like gone through periods where like, I, I, I'm so dumb cause I sold all my, I had like a good chunk of the Kenneth Grant books. Well, for like a year or two, they were affordable and now they're all going for like $200. And I'm like, I should, why did I sell these? It's like the risk of the bookseller. Um, yeah, yeah, I go back and forth on Crowley. I got to read more about this Order of the Silver Star, which was supposed to be related to series. Is that the, the AA? Uh, I'm like not sure. It, yeah, like our, our, the, and it's like in Latin, it's A. And then there's like the little three dot symbol and then A and then the three dot symbol. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the, the you know. Mm-hmm the abbreviation they use um and and of course in cosmic trigger robert anton wilson talks a lot about um the variations of the sky goddess like um our lady of guadalupe um and and the miracles associated with things like that yeah all the like uh the like what, what would you call that marian kind of like mysticism uh has a little bit of sky goddessness to it, right? Like the Virgin Mary, like the, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that would, it's, um, precludes the Virgin Mary back to Egypt. Mm. Um, Isis and her sister was, uh, (sighs) Sobdet, who represented Sirius. Yeah. But yeah, a little while. I mean, I thought ISIS was uh, was going to come back, and you know, like in the sort of like the. Should we talk? I mean, what about the Secret Sun? <laughs> that, that whole blog is that is that a reference to Sirius? The Secret Sun. You know, like the Christopher Knowles blog. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I haven't read that. I haven't caught up with him and his stuff in a while. But I, I mean. That's where it's getting weird because the connections. I mean, I, I sent you that book, The Black Sun, and oh, the the, the Jungian one, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of connections in mythology, seemingly to like serious sun behind and the, the black, sun yeah. symbolism. I love that book actually, yeah, because yeah. I, I had listened to that for some reason. It was like out of it's like an academic press book, and it's out of print, and so I listened to the audio book. Um, that's yeah. That, I really do think we should do like a Jungian sort of episode at some point. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough one, but yeah. Oh, I mean, we can like find a, a niche, you know? Maybe we could find an expert. 
yeah, I would love to interview like a Jungian psychoanalysisist. I, I watched some um, document, like sh- you know, YouTube documentary earlier today about um, just like the math behind the Great Pyramid, one of those classic documentaries yeah. with some like big voiced guy. But I do think it's interesting the idea that these stone structures were not necessarily built for the people of that time, but were built more for the future. Um, because you see that in these things lasting through devastation, through drought, right. through disaster. And even same with like, yeah, the mounds too, right? Right. And and the um you know, the empty sarcophagi never having any any evidence of actually being a tomb something more ceremonial and then when you look at the math there's like the exactness of 365.25 around the um, square perimeter of the pyramid which is the exact solar year right and there's the alignment of the constellation orion so there's there's like like a puzzle um, that's like cryptographically embedded there and there's like lunar year stuff too in other sites right yeah, the the inside of the um the Great Pyramid, there's the King's Chamber, which represents the sun mathematically, and then there's the Queen's Chamber, which represents the moon mathematically. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like maybe it was like a lot of people with like <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of inspiration and maybe a little bit of like OCD or something. <laughs> It's it's really beautiful, but I guess then again, it was done over generations. So what am I talking like? Even like our, our like you know, cathedrals in France or whatever. It's like a generational project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, I don't even I don't even can't even speculate on how they were actually constructed. It's just so I mean, it's, it's so I think it amazing. Had to do with- <laughs> That's like that Alex <laughs> Jones. Right. I'm gonna tell you something. It's <laughs> fascinating. It's so amazing. Hey, but I, he's doing <laughs> Alex if you're listening he's getting uh, he's got the fucking uh Biden's crack team's about to come down on him bang the door and oh man yeah that's one of the one of the things I'm sad about is maybe this I'm not actually sad about it sorry free speech but a golden age of yeah right no more free speech darn <laughs> the golden age of like conspiracy in the mainstream which has like destroyed our culture but it's also kind of like i don't know interesting for a minute um but i guess i i would prefer a healthy a healthy suppressed society under the foot of under the, you know the, the caring slipper of the the caring geriatric of the, slipper of the left <laughs> um, i think we should hop out on our main episode here um if you haven't yeah. joined us yet please do consider joining up on our Patreon. We're going to continue on Patreon with a very interesting discussion about, um, you know, the mound history, the Nephilim Chronicles. Um, the, a little bit of drama. Drama, yeah. Uh, occult drama, paranormal drama. Yeah. We need to figure out a uh, buzz term for that. Yeah. Um, paranormal rumble. Controversy surrounding tweets about a very popular paranormal synchromistic 
documentary series and a certain book, which is of importance to the plot of that show. Um, yeah. We can talk about Trump versus the Illuminati, a film. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of conspiracy couture. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, lots to come. Please sign up. Uh, we currently have how many uh, Patreon subscribers? Um, I'm going to tell you it's 23, <laughs> which is awesome. Thank you guys so much for signing up. And also thank you for giving us a little bit of synchronicity for this episode. Yep. And thanks again. Um, do check out the serious mystery by Robert KG Temple. Easily available book. I think I picked up my copy for about $8. Um, And, of course, Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger is a great starting point um, for those interested in a bunch of different topics that we have covered. Um, And he takes a a really agnostic approach to it all, which I really appreciate. And, uh, yeah, The the Pale Fox by Griol and Dieterlin is... I think it's kind of hard to find, but I found a copy a few months ago. I think I spent like 20 bucks on it. It's a gorgeously produced book and color illustrations of the sand drawings and art. And yeah, check that out too. And see you on the Patreon or next time around. See you later.